Hey, it's Clay. Welcome back to another episode of the Money with Clay podcast. And I want to just break down a couple of headlines and assign more of a practical perspective to some of the pitfalls that exist out there when you are not wise upfront about you know financial decisions in your life. And in particular, in this situation, the good old student loans. If you've listened to past episodes, then You've heard me talk about student loans. Um, if you've taken the slab money method, my course I offer at moneywithclay.com, then you should definitely know how to go about this whole student loan thing the right way. And if you have gone through that, these are kind of the reasons why you should take that video that's a part of the course very seriously and go through those steps I outline in the proper order and give them each you know their due amount of respect because this is you know the real life results of what can occur with you know the, the student loan and you know the mess it really can create. Now before I go into these headlines, I wanna make a little distinction here. I am personally not anti-student loan. I believe knowledge, I believe education is a, a pre, an appreciating asset as opposed to a depreciating asset, meaning if you go and you buy a car, that's a depreciating asset over time, that value is going down. That car's worth is going to go down, aka depreciate over time. So that's why when you get loans that are attached to uh, you know, depreciating assets, I consider that just a terrible form of a debt. Whereas on the flip side of things, you get a loan, you take on debt to buy a house, to get a piece of dirt. Well, historically speaking, dirt appreciates over time. It goes up. So sure, it's a debt, but because the debt is you know, tied to, because it's associated to something that's going up over time, in my mind, I'm totally fine with that debt as long as you are smart about how you go about it and make sure that you're getting you know, something that you can afford and all that, but this is not gonna be a real estate episode here. But the same can be said about knowledge, about education. There's definitely a, a wise way to go about it, and there's a way where it's, oh, so you're telling me you went to school for four years to get a degree in the philosophy of ant colonies? Okay, that's, um, I'm not sure if, if you're gonna really be able to get a, is there a job market for that? I mean, so you get the idea, right? Whereas if somebody says, you know, I went to school for four years and I, I put myself into debt, but I'm graduating with a nursing degree or with an engineering degree or with some sort of business finance degree or with something like that, I'm okay, you know, I learned how to program. Okay, that, that's, that's, that's much different than getting a degree, you know, in the philosophy of ant colonies. So reason I point this out and wanna make the distinction is I, I am not making the blanket statement that all loans for, you know, education are bad. A lot of them are, are bad. A lot of them are, are, are really stupid, it makes no sense. And I think the whole system is broken to begin with and I've, done a past episode on how I would personally fix the system, but that's not the idea behind this episode. I just wanna go over some pretty recent headlines about, like I said, the results of why you need to be very careful. So if you're a parent listening to this, I mean, be a parent. Make sure your, your children are going about their selection process as far as education in a very smart, efficient, um, dare I say, kind of logical way or else you may be setting themselves or you know they you may be setting them up for this later down in life or I mean that'd be awesome if I don't know if high school kids listen to this or not hopefully someday uh, but maybe you're in high school 
um, then yeah, just realize that you need to keep, you need to, um, you know, treat this whole education thing very seriously, especially if debt is going to be part of it. Because now, totally different apples and oranges. If you're sitting here saying, "Hey, I have all cash and I'm going to school to learn about the philosophy of you know ant colonies and I'm paying for it in all cash," okay, that, that that's totally different. Good for you. Um, well done with the cat, you know, saving up for that cash. Um, I, I feel like you could spend it a little bit better, but hey, at least there is not going to be any sort of debt associated with you going and learning about the philosophy of ant colonies. But this is toward, you know, this is all geared towards those people. They're going to be graduating from school with some sort of, you know, debt attached to their education. And like I said, we want to make sure that in the broad grand scheme of things, we are building wealth over time. Not wealth in the sense of fancy cars and big houses, but wealth in the sense of peace of mind. Wealth in the sense of just being able to sleep at night. If you're laying in bed staring up at the ceiling because you have this, that, and the other that you have to worry about paying for, that is the, the biggest form of cruelty ever. Whereas if you can just lay in bed and be like, yeah, I got everything taken care of, you know, and I have all my ducks in a row, and you can just fall asleep, that is the top form of wealth. So let's get practical here. And the first, uh, you know, just very practical thing in life that you will uh, either encounter or um, maybe are already encountering is just relationships. Nothing, you know, no, no huge claim on my part. I mean, yeah, we're all gonna have relationships. And from CNBC, this headline states that one in eight divorces is caused by student loans. So scrolling down to the article, when it comes to student loan debt, for richer, for poor, doesn't quite cut it. In general, finances are the leading cause of stress in a relationship, according to a study by SunTrust Bank, and student debt takes a particularly hard toll on a marriage. More than one-third of borrowers said college loans and other money woes contributed to their divorce, according to a recent report from Student Loan Hero, a website for managing education debt. In fact, 13% of divorcees blame student loans specifically for ending their relationship, the report found. Student Loan Hero surveyed more than 800 divorce adults in June. So let's stop and think about this. 13%, yeah, I mean, that's not a, a huge number. I realize I'd have probably a much uh, stronger case if that number was up around 25%, 30%, 40%. But still, that's just... The 13% is those people, keyword there being specifically. They specifically were blaming student loan debt. And let's just kind of stop and think, is it student loan debt per se? No, it's not. I, uh, you know, it, it is not the debt. It This is what it boils down to. It's the ability to pay that debt. And if you go and you tie a debt next to the philosophy of ant colonies, your ability to pay that debt is gonna be a massive problem because I, I don't think you can get a job getting that sort of degree. That's why, just at the core premise, are you sure you're gonna be able to pay back this debt? Is there gonna be some sort of job market for you that's gonna pay? You know, it doesn't say this, but I would be willing, I'd be willing to bet that these people that are blaming student loans are not nurses, they're not engineers, they're not anybody you know in you know business side of things. It's nothing like that because those people are graduating, getting jobs, and then they have the ability to pay back the job. Now, I'm not saying nurses and engineers don't get divorced. I'm just saying I highly doubt any of the 
of, of, you know, those people are going to be somebody that's got a job that gives you the ability to pay back the debt. So remember, the debt is not the evil thing. It is the ability to pay the debt that's going to separate the two. So again, treat it very, very seriously because if you're getting in a situation where, well, yeah, man, I'm just going for the experience and I'm going to get some sort of, you know, I'm, I'm going to learn about ant colonies, brother. Well, you know, that's, this is what, you know, the statistic surveys are, are staring you from the future. This is what you could definitely have in a relationship. I'm not going to say that it's guaranteeing divorce or anything like that, but it's very clear that, um, you know, financial situations, financial strains are going to be weighing down on relationships. And just once more to drive this point home, what is creating the strain? Is it the debt itself or the ability to pay that debt? It's the ability to pay the debt. If you come out making bazooko bucks because you, you got a good in high demand degree, then yeah, there is that debt right there, but you're gonna be able to punch that thing right in the face and get it out of the way in, in a pretty quick amount of time. And if I may one more time to plug my slab course, especially if you do the, the you know what I teach in that course, that debt is gonna be gone real, real quick. And for a little background, if you're unfamiliar, you know, at my peak, I had $163,000 in debt. So, and as a process engineer myself, I'm an engineer by degree, you know, I put together the exact systems, the exact processes, the exact steps. I mean, there's guides, there's worksheets, there's checklists that I put together that come with it, where if you treat it seriously, um, you know, it works. And I get it, I'm just talking right now and saying it works, but the course also comes with a one year money back guarantee, one year. So if that doesn't kind of back up what, my, what I'm saying and what I believe, then you know I'm not what sure is. But again, my point here is you get a good degree, the debt is not the problem. It's the ability to pay the debt. So you look down here and you know going through the uh, rest of that article, the average outstanding balance is currently $34,000, up 62% over the last decade, according to Experian. In addition, the percentage of borrowers who owe $50,000 or more has tripled over the same time period according to a separate report by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And I mean, this whole student loan stuff, it's just getting more and more uh, out of control. And like I said, I, I just do this because I have a passion for this stuff. I don't know if anybody even really listens to these. Hopefully they do, but if you are, just realize this stuff is no joke and it's getting worse, which tells me there's not enough people out there that realize that this stuff is, is, is really nasty and that it can, you know, affect you in many very real life ways, very practical ways, you know, AKA a relationship with somebody. And, you know, it's, you know, for my wife and I, we were, uh, my wife, she got a two year degree as a physical therapist assistant. So she chose very wisely. That's a very practical degree. And those two year degrees are a thing of beauty. I mean, you stop and think about it that you can go get a two year degree and a lot of them pay just as much as four year degrees. So it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. So um, I would highly recommend that, you know, you kind of, now if you know you wanna be an engineer, for example, then yes, there aren't, there not, aren't any two year engineering degree, um, you know, programs out there. But if you're kind of unsure, I, I would highly recommend, and this, is, this goes for people, not necessarily high schoolers, but if you're, who knows, maybe 40 years old and wanting to maybe, you know, make some sort of change. Don't think that you have to go to some four year degree for, or a four year university. Check out some of these, uh, degrees that are only two years, uh, you know, a dental hygienist uh, assistant. I think that's what the degree is. But again, it's like two years 
and you look at what, I mean, they're coming out making 45,000 a year, 50,000 a year for just a two-year degree. So I would definitely say start with the two-year degree because remember the goal here is let's make sure that you have the ability to pay it back. So we, we covered this right here in sense of, okay, yeah, you know, student loans, you know, as we get more data and more surveys that come in, they definitely are provide or are causing a strain on relationships. And in 13% of cases, being the direct flat out, yeah, the divorce happened because of a student loan. So in many other cases, of course, they're gonna be, you know, part of the problem, but 13% of the times they are the main problem, which is kind of crazy. Now, this part here is actually pretty crazy, and uh, you know, this comes from Fox Business. And the title of this one is Older Americans, the New Face of Student Loan Debt. And this was published on August 11th. So this is not me going back and cherry picking something. This is essentially hot off, uh, you know, hot off the press. So to go down to the article here, seniors are facing a serious financial crisis in their golden years, student loan debt. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says the number of older consumers with student loan debt has quadrupled over the last decade and the average amount they owe has also dramatically increased. The CFPB, again, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, says this makes people age 60 and older the fastest growing age segment of the student loan market. How goofy is that? 60 years and older, those are the fastest growing segment of the student loan market. Karen and Jack are two of those unfortunate individuals, uh, and then it, it discloses that their names have been changed to protect their identities. Okay, I'm gonna try to keep it together, but I mean, to think, this is real life stuff that's occurring because people are not being wise in choosing the ability to pay back the student loan. Remember, as you go through this, the student loan, yes, that, that's a, a problem, but the ability to pay it back. So picking back up the article, Karen's grandson did not adequately prepare for the $20,000 out-of-state private college he decided to attend. Out-of-state private college. Oh, goodness. All right, here we go. When the tuition bill started pouring in, he turned to his grandmother for help. Despite her limited income, she felt she couldn't say no. Karen is not sure of how many loans or what kind of loans were put in her name, but soon after her grandson started attending school, the letters demanding payment began. She was able to defer the payments, but the relief was only temporarily. temporary. The American Seniors Association is among the organizations surrounding the alarm about older Americans and student loan debt. When retirees are unable to make payments on time, part of their social security checks may be garnished, meaning they will reach in and say, thank you very much. I'm gonna take a portion of that because you own, uh, you have this loan that you need to pay back. The ASA says garnished makes the financial situation for seniors even worse as many of them rely heavily on social security. Well, no kidding. And scrolling down a little bit in the article, a quote here, seniors don't account for having to pay off the debt when they co-sign loans, to which I would agree. I mean, if, what are these kids doing first off? You go and you ask your grandparent to co-sign something for you so you can get some degree and then you leave them on the hook for it? I mean, that's literally what's going on. These people, uh, you know, they, they, they're, I mean, there's no other way to put it. You're literally hanging your grandpa and grand, you know, your grandma, grandfather, grandma, whatever you call your, you know, your grandparents, hanging them out to dry. 
And it's absolutely insane. So another quote from the article, they, they being seniors, they are not prepared for when they get older. We don't want to say, no, you shouldn't do this. But the main thing is to understand the risks you are taking and how prevalent student loan default is. How prevalent student loan default is. And again, it's not the student loan that's the problem. It's the ability to pay because people keep throwing and attaching loans and debts next to totally worthless degrees. And to think that grandparents are co-signing so that this, you know, uh, just what I don't even know. I can't even think of the word. This um, asinine behavior, this befuddling behavior, this stupid behavior is taking place. Where are the parents in this situation? Where are the parents saying, "Yeah, go ask your grandfather, you know, grand, you know, grandpa or grandma or whoever. Yeah, ask them to co-sign for this loan. Why aren't you signing for it, parents? Or why aren't you saying, you know, little Jimmy?" You learning about the theory and philosophy of ant colonies, probably, if you want to do that as a hobby, I fully support you. In fact, I'll buy you some books off Amazon right now, and you can read them, and you can be passionate in your hobby. But going and, you know, getting a debt and attaching a debt um, in order to learn about that, I don't know. That's kind of silly. But to think that the parent's like, why don't you go ask your grandfather to co-sign for that loan? To What are these parents thinking what, what are you doing? That's so bad. What? I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I'm a parent. I have four kids. They're the oldest is six. So, and I'm not saying that I have it all figured out, but I would like to give myself a little bit of credit to think rationally and to think logically to, to try to prevent, you know, having, you know, I, I can never imagine telling my kids to go ask my parents or my wife's parents. Yeah. Why don't ask them to co-sign for this loan so you can go get some you know, loan or some degree that has no worthwhile value. Again, now, if they were saying, you know what? Oh, you want to get a loan because you want to go and become a nurse? Okay, that's much different. But, you know, for a lot of these degrees that you see out there, this is absolute lunacy. And this is the part where I'm definitely talking to myself here. And I'm talking just in general to parents, to grandparents, to anybody that you know, is, you know, kind of has some sort of authority over a younger person. But picking back up with uh, Karen and her story, with the latest collection letter on the table in front of her, Karen is asked if she regrets helping her grandson. He didn't have anyone else who could help him. She says stoically, no, I don't regret it. (sighs) You know, sometimes there's a a very powerful thing out there that we can, can do as parents, as grandparents, We can just say a simple sentence. No, save up for it. How many words is that? No, save up for it. Five words. That's all you had to do. There wasn't anybody. He didn't have anybody else who could help him. You're telling me he didn't have two legs, two arms, um, you know, two lungs. He couldn't go pick up a job. Dare I say maybe sit out college for a couple of years while he saved up some cash to go get, he clearly got a degree that was worthless if he can't even pay it back and is leaving his grandma on the hook for it. So it didn't say what what the degree was, but very clearly he had no ability to pay it back if she's on the hook. But to me as a parent, to you as a parent, no, save up for it. That is something we are allowed to say to kids, especially if they want us to co-sign for something. That is just... 
enabling really bad behavior. Now, if you know, uh, if one of my kids was coming up and said, hey, here's the business plan, here's the job market for nursing, here's the projected job growth, therefore, you know, when I graduate, there should still be plenty of jobs left because yeah, I get it, there's a lot of strong demand right now, but what about in four years when I graduate? Well, given these job trend growth rates, yeah, there, there's still gonna be jobs available when I graduate. So can you do this for me and cosign maybe here? And that way, that's a whole different, I'm not saying I still would, but at least they're, they're being presented or I would be being presented with a good thought out you know, plan of action. Whereas, I mean, this whole attitude of he didn't have anyone else who could help him. He can't help himself? I, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm just too old and crusty and mean, but um, a part-time job or two or a full-time job and a part-time job at night um, with a tight budget, controlling your expenses, it's amazing how much money can pile up, especially in this day and age where if you go and, and, and do some sort of trade, get into the construction, I mean, I know builders all around me that they will, they will you know, fight tooth and nail for good help, and they will pay very nicely too if you're willing to break a sweat and work hard. So to think that he didn't have anybody else that could help, whatever happened to people needing to be able to help themselves? But Clay, I, I wanna do it right now. Okay, here's, here's the flip side of, not wanting to save up any cash and just wanting to, I wanna go now and I wanna do all loans now because, well, I, I don't wanna save anything up. I, I, I just I just wanna go. So here is uh, another uh, situation from the same article. In 2008, when Jack was 55 years old, he retired from his job as an Episcopal priest. Jack and his wife debated what to do with the rest of their lives. His wife dreamed of being a hospice nurse while Jack wanted to obtain a license in counseling to help people recovering from addiction. They both took out $90,000 in loans and attended school at the same time. The goal was upon graduation, his wife would pay off the student loans with the earnings from her nursing degree and he would support the family. Unfortunately, his wife was unable to handle the grueling nursing schedule and the work that was necessary for her to become a hospice nurse. Now at age 65, so 10 years later, Jack is working three jobs to pay off the student loan debt, not only for him and his wife, but also his daughter when she attended college. Skipping a little bit further down, Jack will finish paying off all of the student loan debt in nine years. He will be 75 years old. When he, asked, when he is asked about how he feels about the year 2027, Jack lets out a big sigh. Nine more years and he's gonna be 75. What's my point? My point is, had they just delayed for a little bit and started to hoard cash, hoard cash, maybe they, instead of starting right then and there, they would have started you know, uh, uh, two or three years later and then maybe only had, I don't know, much less than $90,000. Because when you have a goal and you're serious about that goal, it's amazing how fast cash can add up. So let's just say they had started with, you know, I don't know, $50,000 instead. And sure, that all happened. And yeah, sure, Jack would have still had to work, but it would have been a much more manageable situation than having to work three jobs until you're 75. Goodness, there is power in patience. There is power in saying, you know what? Yeah, this is where we want to go, but why don't we just stop, tell ourselves no, and save up? 
Not necessarily maybe save up the whole amount, but save up some where if something does go wrong, like it did in this situation, which isn't that shocking. I mean, when you get older, um, I, I I would imagine that, you know, life, you know, it's just a little bit more difficult to keep up with the fast pace that it probably does take to become a nurse. Um, I, I am not a nurse, but um, I, I do know what it takes to become an engineer. And that was that was no walk in the park. And I don't know quite what it's like to be 65, but I would imagine a, a 65 year old trying to all of a sudden get an engineering degree, that's gonna be a little bit more stress and strain on the body, on the mind and everything. And I can't say that I'm exactly shocked to hear that she just wasn't quite able to keep up with all those grueling demands that it takes to, to become a nurse. So am I saying that if you're old later in life, you shouldn't try to pursue stuff like this? I'm not saying that at all. I am just saying that you know, these, this is the real life. This is the, what can happen in a very practical way. Like Jack is practically working till age 75 to pay off all this debt. These are the things that occur when you don't quite think through all the way or when you don't quite say, you know, let me just tap the brakes, let me save up some cash and then we can pursue this sort of stuff when it comes to knowledge. Because that's why I started off with all this. I am not anti-knowledge, I am not anti-learning at all. Knowledge is an appreciating asset, but you've gotta be very wise because way too many people say, hey, it's an investment in your knowledge. It's an investment in learning. It's an investment in education. So maybe not everybody calls it an appreciating asset like I do, but their whole kind of blanket statement is, hey, it's knowledge, therefore any sort of loan attached to it is a good thing. Hey, it's knowledge, so that's a good debt. No, that's really wrong. That's really bad. And when you go down those bad paths, as these couple of articles have shown, things can get pretty nasty. So I, I, I would just challenge you, like I said, if you're a teenager or if you're thinking about jumping back, making a career change or what have you, do it, go for it, but go for it in a wise way. Go for it in a patient way, because I don't wanna see anybody you know, having relationships strained, stressed, or you know, worst case, you know, falling apart in a divorce. I don't wanna see, you know, grandpas and grandmas getting hung out to dry because they co-signed for something and then all of a sudden, oh, well, sorry, I, I don't have any ability to pay you back because I got some you know worthless degree. I don't wanna see people work until they're 75. That's terrible. So just, just think, have some patience and let's make wise choices. And that's the whole kind of ironic thing. You know, We're talking about wise choices, being smart on the topic of education. So get the appreciating asset, just be wise about how you go about it. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Before I go, I wanna just make your attention to a few things. First off, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure to help us out in the iTunes, especially if you could leave us a rating, that goes a long way and just assists me in getting the word out there and I genuinely would appreciate it. Second, if you find yourself either in debt or just feeling like your, your personal finances are kind of out of control or could be much more efficient, then I would encourage you to go to moneywithclay.com and check out the slab money method. That is the course that I put together as a former process engineer that outlined every single step, step by step by step with documentation, with forms to fill out, that'll put you on the path, the exact path I used to pay off $163,000 of debt and get myself to the point where not only am I debt free, but I am now able to build wealth and build wealth in an efficient uh, manner. So if you're curious and interested in that, again, 
moneywithclay.com, and that is the slab money method. And no, this is not all some massive sales pitch when I say that it works. It truly does, and I back that up with more than words. My action behind those words is that course comes with a one-year money-back guarantee. So if you try it out and you're not making any progress, you're not seeing any progress, then I will refund you the cost of the course, which is very minimal to begin with. And then finally, make sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram, just look up for Money With Clay and you will see us there. Again, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you back next episode.